Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Song says, I couldn't earn it and I don't deserve it. I know we went to announcements, but I'm still stuck at the reckless love of God. Ephesians chapter chapter 2 says, verse 4 says that with the great love in which he loved us, he made us alive together with Christ. Christ's love is so, I mean, you just wouldn't find another love like that. Man, I encourage all y'all musicians, go to your phones when we're done and just search. Keep scrolling. See if you can find somebody that would die for you. Let me, let me go deeper. Find the enemy. Because that's what we were to God when Christ died for us. We were enemies. But while we were yet sinners, Christ decided that he would die for us. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be in the service. When I was younger, our old church, old Baptist church used to sing a song that says, glad to be in the service, glad to be in the service, glad to be in the service one more time. It would go on to say, he didn't have to let me live. But I'm glad to be in the service, and I'm certainly glad. I know we're here virtually, and we have not been gathered physically in a while, but I am still grateful for the ability that we have to be able to connect. It's Psalm 103 that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And that's exactly why we gather uh, virtually. That's exactly why we set up these cameras and, and, and these lights. And we got up this morning and brushed our teeth and took showers and came to the building. And those of you who are still home, maybe you have not brushed your teeth. Maybe you should get up, do that, keep the phone with you. Uh, but we get, somebody said amen. But we, we, we get up to make sure that Jesus gets the first, the fruit of our lips, the first fruit of our lips. I'm excited about the word of God today because this is the day we have been waiting for. We are finishing up the book of Romans today. And man, I have no clue if you guys care about stuff like this or not, but I am, um, it, it certainly is a great accomplishment to be able to work through an entire book of the Bible. So grab your Bibles or your devices, get to Romans chapter 16, Romans 16. Hey, while you're turning there, I have some, some news I want to share with you and certainly a prayer request. I want to solicit your prayers. So Romans 16, as you turn in there. Uh, I just found out a couple days ago uh, that Jeremiah Trusty, and some of you already may know this, but uh, I just found out that Jeremiah Trusty has been battling COVID-19 uh, and um, he is not particularly doing well right now. He is uh, currently in the hospital. He is on a ventilator. Uh, I talked to his mother this morning who uh, asked me to make sure that we were bombarding heaven and, and that uh, I was asking those of you who do pray and know how to pray to make sure that you are praying. And so if you will carve out some time during your week, and I mean every day, not a, not a, not, don't let a day go by as he lays in the hospital, uh, pray for his lungs. That's exactly what his mother said, that his lungs are not uh, inflating and doing the things that they uh, the way God ordained them to to be. And so if you guys could be praying for Jeremiah, he's been in the hospital all week. And um, and last yesterday was a was a really rough day for him. So if we can continue to pray for him and those of you who who, you know, maybe you are sick or um, maybe it's not covid and you just sick with something else. We actually care about your your physical well-being and your mental well-being. And so if you're sick, you got to reach out to us. you got to let us know. It is extremely important. In fact, it's biblical. James chapter 5, verse 14. Those of you who are sick, 
call on the elders of the church so that they may pray and anoint you with oil. And I, sim I simply want to make sure that we are always engaging in prayer and, and, and talking to God on your behalf. So if that's you, please, please make sure you let us know. Shout out to the young lady. I don't know who it was. The, the young lady that that uh, that hit us up and told us that uh, Jeremiah was uh, in the hospital, whoever that young lady is, shout out to her. Um, I am I am really grateful for her. Shout out to Diana as well. <laughs> Amen. You all good. Appreciate Diana and her leading us this morning. All right. We're in the book of Romans. Look, let me tell you all something, man. Finishing up a book of the Bible that is 16 chapters long is uh, certainly a great accomplishment. It feels like graduation day for me. I am I, I, I am looking forward to taking a little bit of a break from expositionally walking through books of the Bible, at least until the fall, probably mid-fall of next year. We'll, we'll be in some standalone and some topical stuff. Uh, but man, I am grateful to pastor a church that week after week after week after week uh, just has the patience to work through scriptures. I know, trust me, I know that every week you ain't like, oh man, that scripture hit me. I know it's some weeks that you're like, ah, and I get that. But nevertheless, you know, Paul's words uh, really should consume our heart. I did not shrink away from declaring the entire counsel of God's word. You know, Jesus says it as well before he ascended into heaven in Matthew 28. He says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded we don't know all that he commanded if we pick and choose our favorite passages. And so I had to preach through Romans 9. Not my favorite passage. Just telling you, it's one of those hard ones. And, uh, but nevertheless, I, I don't want to belabor the point. I am grateful for a church that is, that is faithful and consistent with the word. All right, let's dig in. We're in Romans 16. Here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to announce the topic. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to read a little bit and talk a little bit because it's just a, it's 27 verses. And so I, I will not... I read through all of them, um, and there's a lot of names in here. And so I'll, I'll just, I'll read, I'll, I'll announce, and then I'll, I'll pray, and then we'll dig in. So today I'll be talking about final shout-outs. It's the topic that we'll be digging with today, final shout-outs. Let's look to the Lord. Uh, Father, we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness. But your word tells us we present our pleas before you because of your great mercy. And so today we are pleading that you would speak to us, speak to us right out of what you've already spoken in your word. May I add nothing to it. May I take nothing away from it. And may I preach exactly how you have it. Father, we are in final greetings, a bunch of names. We just trust that there's something in there for us. Why? Because all of it is inspired by you. So somehow, oh God, some way, I think you can transform hearts somehow, some way. I think we can change the direction of someone's life today through this passage. Somehow, some way, I believe Jesus can be proclaimed. It's in Christ's name I give all glory. Amen. Y'all can talk back. Amen. Amen. I feel like uh, the lady that was doing the White House press briefing. Is anybody in here? Final shout outs. You know, I, I really don't typically use the word hate. I, I really don't like the word hate. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty strong word, but I do think it is appropriate to use it in this context. Um, there are a few things I hate about this pandemic, and, and I mean hate about this pandemic. I think sickness is one of them. As I talked with Jeremiah's mother this morning, um, I was reminded of the original sin of Adam and Eve and 
That's where this whole breakdown began and sickness is introduced. There was no sickness before the original sin. I hate sickness. I hate death. It's a, death is the result of the fall. We had no expiration date before Adam and Eve fell. I hate death. I mean, if you consider how many, I mean, 30 something, 30 million people in the, in the U.S. have contracted this, this virus and almost 550,000 uh, people have died from this virus. I hate sickness. I hate death. I also hate more minor things that probably are more just of an inconvenience. I hate wearing masks. I, I, I hate wear, re- replacing hugs and kisses and dap with, with elbow bumps and, and, and fist bumps. And I hate my grocery bill. Yes. Being quarantined with four people, two of them teenagers, is just not conducive to stay on budget every month. I hate the, um, probably the most, not the most, but one of the things I hate probably the most, almost the most, is the fact that we've been socially distanced from each other, socially distanced from our loved ones. Some of you haven't seen family members since the start of last year. That, that, let's just like fathom that. I hate that we're socially distanced from our friends and socially distanced from the church body. I hate that we're socially distanced from our coworkers, or maybe not coworkers, but I hate that we're socially distanced from even not just people, but but places. Like some of us have been socially distanced from like you are just you cannot like you haven't had brunch in a year. You know, so some of us haven't went to a coffee shop in forever and just sat down and pulled out the laptop and drank coffee and got to just enjoy an environment. We haven't done that in over a year. Every Friday, Ty and I take a sabbatical and, and we, we usually have breakfast every Friday morning. We try to do it every Friday morning. It's been a little tough in the pandemic. But uh, this past Friday, we got out. The weather was nice, so we got out early, and we went to the spot that we usually go to, and they, their indoor dining is closed. So we grabbed coffee and grabbed some bagels, and then we, we left. And when I was leaving out, I looked at the booth. It was over to my left. I feel like tweet. I looked over to my left, and there was a booth that Ty and I typically sit at. And I don't know, man. I can't prove it, but I think a man tear just fell down my left cheek. I just there was something that um, that 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 made me feel um, I don't know fonder. They they say that absence makes the heart grow fonder. And whenever something or someone is removed out of your life, you usually realize how much you took it for granted. Whenever someone or something is removed out of your life, we realize and appreciate its value. In essence, that's what Paul is doing in Romans chapter 16. In Romans chapter 16, Paul is realizing that he has been absent from the church at Rome. Let me help you. Paul has not planted the church at Rome. Rome is uh, the product of, of of his fruit and his labors around the world. He's right now in Corinth. Told you last week, he's been all over in major cities and he's been sharing the gospel. And it's been, I mean, there, there was one point in, in Acts chapter 19 where it says that everybody in Asia heard the word because of Paul's commitment to making sure in cities are engaged. But he has not been to Rome, but he knows of people that are in Rome and absence is making the heart grow fonder for Paul. Paul is missing those members that are at Rome. He's missing the believers that are there now. 
Our passage today is a, a bunch of names. Let's be honest. Can y'all be honest in here? Y'all know we skip gene, genealogies. Y'all, y'all know we skip final greetings. You're you just going to give some shout outs. You're going to give a bunch of names. People, most of them I can't even pronounce. And so therefore, I'm going to just move on to something else. But I would caution us. I, I would pastorally caution you not to ever skip over a genealogy. Never skip over a final greeting because there is something even in the names I love the way Paul says it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God. All. That means Romans 16, where he's just popping off names, is breathed out by God. And so Paul purposely today is not teaching us. Paul purposely today is not giving us theology. Paul purposely today is not waxing eloquent over doctrine. Paul today is telling the church at Rome, I just miss you. I'm giving you greetings because I want to be around you. And in his greetings, we are introduced to a bunch of names, 26 names to be exact. And I'm not going to preach through all 26 names. We would be here until next year. Uh, So I I promise you, I'm just going to pick out, I don't know, four or five names that are in this last final greeting and see what Paul is talking about and why they are even mentioned and how they apply to us. And 2021 here in Brooklyn. Look at the first name that he mentions. Romans uh, 16, verse 1. I commend to you, watch this, our sister Phoebe. Don't miss this. She's a servant at the church. Welcome her in the Lord. Uh, It says, uh, a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and myself as well. The first person that Paul gives a shout out when he's listing out all of these names is a woman named Phoebe. This is powerful if you look at this through the lens of ancient culture. This book was written somewhere around 57 years after the death of Christ during a Greco-Roman era. This is an era that was the culture was extremely misogynistic. This is a time where they they were extremely uh, chauvinistic. It was a male-dominant culture, and somebody is saying the culture hasn't changed much today, but in this culture, it, it, was, it, it was what we see now, but on steroids. They did not value or respect women, but and what, what Paul is doing is so important today. When he lists out the believers in Rome, he starts with a woman. He starts with Phoebe. 26 names are named here, and nine of the 26 are women. Four of the nine are listed as laborers, labeled as laborers of the Lord, workers of Christ, servers of the church. So often people consider the Bible to be a a misogynistic book, but if we get up a a hundred feet higher and just look down on the book, the, the Bible often pushes against what the culture was doing. The culture was misogynistic, but Paul was not. Paul pops off. He starts us today by listing off Phoebe and says, you need to greet Phoebe. The Bible is not misogynistic. In fact, I'll say it this way. If you don't if you don't have women partakers of the faith, you miss major movements in Scripture and you you really tamper with major events of Scripture. If you pull out every woman out of the Bible, you have really put holes in all of Scripture. 
Let's do it this way. The Exodus experience, we often think that the Exodus experience starts with Moses at a burning bush. But can I go back before that? Israel is delivered out of Egypt, not simply because of Moses, but because two Hebrew midwives disobeyed Pharaoh and said, I'm going to let this one child live. And Moses is able to live. Watch this because of two women. Then after Moses is alive, his mother realizes that he's still in danger. So she puts him in a basket and floats him up a river. And who finds him? Not the son of Pharaoh, but the daughter of Pharaoh. Four women are at the beginning, at the intro of the Exodus experience of the, uh, the, of the Hebrews, of the Israelites out of Egypt. And so often we say the Bible is misogynistic when God used four women in order to make sure that Egypt doesn't have a hold on Israel. What about the throne of David? The throne of David, David is not established because of Jesse and Samuel. The throne of David is established because of the preservation of Ruth. Because Ruth, through her line, comes King David. How about an entire nation is saved from genocide because of Queen Esther? Okay, let let me go to salvation. You and I, the salvation that we bask in starts with a virgin woman giving birth to Jesus Christ. And even after Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died a perfect death, 33 years on the earth, after he dies and he resurrects, the first witnesses, eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Christ were two women. In a culture that often looked down on women, the Bible celebrates women. The Bible honors women. The the Bible holds them in high esteem. And so Paul says, greet Phoebe. I know there's a bunch of names I'm going to pop off, but... Don't, don't you forget about Phoebe. She, she has served you. She has served me. In fact, there, there's three important details that are mentioned about Phoebe in verses one and two. I read them pretty quickly, but the first one is that he calls her. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. In other words, this goes without saying, but she has trusted in Jesus. And so Paul considers her family. Paul considers her a sister in the faith. And then he also calls her a servant. The English language doesn't do this word servant. Well, y'all stick with me. I just got to lay a little foundation of Phoebe that this English language doesn't do servant well, because when we see servant, we just think she's somebody that's serving and serving and serving. And yes, she did that, but he's actually coining a title on her. He's saying our sister Phoebe, a servant, the, the word servant in the Greek is uh, is, is diakonos. It, it holds this idea. It's the same word that's used in Acts chapter 6 when the first seven deacons are chosen. So Paul isn't saying greet Phoebe as because she's just some servant. He says greet her because she's a deacon in the church. She's a leader in the church. She has spiritual authority in the church. The third thing he tells them, tells us about Phoebe is that she's a helper. She's a financial contributor. He says she's a patron of many and of myself. Many commentators suggest to us that Phoebe is the one that would have brought the letter from Corinth. Paul is in Corinth. She would have brought that. Like, imagine this in a culture that doesn't respect women. The book that you and I went through for two years was carried from Corinth all the way to Rome by Phoebe. 
Phoebe's a big player in the early church. You don't have Phoebe. If Phoebe gets lost on her way, we don't get the 16 chapters of the book of Romans. So Paul, Paul says, I'm going I'm to I'm give you all a list of names, but I got to start by telling you, you to commend Phoebe. When I consider my ministry personally, I can tell you now, I look around and it's been affirmation after affirmation of godly women. I mean, the, the, the first would be my wife, Ty. My, my, my wife, Ty, is, is the one that pushes and, 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 and saw something that I didn't even see and was able to call it out. A woman. I remember when I first started teaching the Bible, Ty will tell you this. When I first started teaching the Bible, my, my first, uh, I cut my teeth on teaching the Bible with a group full of old ladies, and they just loved me. And they cared for me, and they would pass me a little mint every now and they say, baby, you didn't handle that well today. Come back next week and do that a little bit better. I mean, they, I, I cut my teeth in ministry and teaching with a group of old ladies at a Bible study on Sunday morning. I used to lead a small group in Philly before I planted the church here, and the small group started with all women. We were in a woman's house, and it, was all, it felt like a, a woman's Bible study. Eventually, when I left, there were more men than women, but in the beginning, it was all of these, uh, these godly women that encouraged my heart and helped me to figure out how to lead. Even today, our church is 70% women. You take women out of the church, you don't have a church. I grew up in, in predominantly black churches and my father was in the military, so we bounced around a bit, but we were always in a, like a Baptist church. He, we were always in the same denomination and they would just transfer. He was on the ministerial staff. And, and when I consider all of the churches I grew up in, it was typically made up of a lot of women. If you take women out of the black church, you don't have a black church in America. Let, let me go to the civil rights movement, because in the civil rights movement, oftentimes we want to celebrate and we should. Don't, don't hear me say we shouldn't, but we only celebrate Martin Luther King and John Lewis as though that, that was the only two faces of the civil rights movement. But what about Ella Baker? What about Daisy Bates? What about Rosa Parks? What about Dorothy Heights? What about Fannie Lou Hamer? You take women out of the church. You don't have a church. So Paul says, and, and Paul understood that in the early church, he said, look, Rome, y'all can't survive without women like Phoebe. And let, let, me, let me come down your street a little bit. Ladies, this is why we need you to be spiritually growing. Now, this is not meaning that we don't need the men. Don't, don't hear me say that. Like, we need the men. In fact, I would say we need the men to step up. Because so for far too often, we've only looked at leadership and pushing the women. The women are always serving them. Women are the financial contributors. And men, we just sit back and watch. And so I'm not giving you an excuse today, but I do want to encourage the ladies. We need you actively serving. We need you actively growing. We need you giving of your time and talent. We, we need you submitting to discipleship. We need you loving Jesus. We need you loving your neighbor. We need you being godly. We need you. Paul says we need Phoebe. You, we, Rome, we messed up without a Phoebe. You don't get the letter unless there is a Phoebe. And so Paul says, look, I, I got a, a bunch of names, but I got to start with a woman. You, you would think that next, you think he would do woman, man, woman, man, but, but look at the next one he gives us. Verse three, greet Prisca, a woman, and Aquila, not the manliest name, but that's her husband. <laughs> My fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their necks for my own life. 
to whom, uh, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Watch this. Greet also the church in their house. The second group of names that Paul gives us today is Prisca and Aquila. Prisca is uh, the wife and, and, and Aquila is the husband. They often assisted Paul in his missionary journeys. In fact, they were helpers in planting the church at Ephesus. If you, if you read the starting of the church at Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, Prisca and Aquila were there. In fact, they were defenders of theology. Let me say it this way. Prisca knew her theology. Let me say that again. Prisca did not surf the scriptures like this surface level scripture reading. Prisca didn't just like flip through Bible and the Bible and just put her finger down and just read there. Prisca didn't skip days in reading the word of God. Prisca was a defender of theology to the point where in Acts chapter 19, the Bible says this guy named Apollos comes in town and when he's there, he's preaching and apparently he didn't do well with the gospel. And so the Bible says that Prisca and Aquila pulled him aside probably to their house and, and shared with him in a more robust way the very gospel that he was preaching. They set him straight. The, the, the church at Corinth, many people believe it started in the house of Prisca and Aquila because they were kicked out of Rome. And history shows us that all of the Jews were kicked out of Rome. They ended up in Corinth. And the Bible tells me that it was there in Corinth in their house where the first Christians started to flourish. And we put some Bible there. First Corinthians 16, 19, Aquila and Priscilla. It says, greet you warmly in the Lord. And so does the church that meets in their house. I don't just want you to notice that Paul gives us these two names. It is important to know, note the, the, the way he gives them. So today he's given the woman's name first. The, the passage I just read in 1 Corinthians 16, he says Aquila and Priscilla. They are mentioned six times in the New Testament. Four of the six, the wife's name is mentioned first. Why is the wife's name mentioned first? Because most commentators will suggest that this indicates she had the more dominant gift. What I love about Prisca and Aquila is every time they are mentioned in scripture, it is never tied to negativity. They are a marriage that we, that's marriage goals. This couple that is known for faithfulness to Christ. This couple that is known for being serious about ministry and lovers of the church. They are not known for scandals. They are not known for being on the shade room. That this married couple is not known for sitting on the couch while the husband holds his wife's hand and pulls her and tells the world, I had an affair. They are known for sitting on the couch and discipling people. That they are known for sitting on the couch and walking people from spiritual death to spiritual life. That this married couple is known for sitting on the couch and praying and laboring and making sure that the church was growing. This couple is marriage goals. It ain't nothing like seeing a married couple work in ministry together. It's, it's, just, it's just nothing like it. It's, you know, I, I love Mike Todd, and I know y'all do too. See, but I think I might love him for a different reason. Most people like him because he preaches out of a boat. I think that's dope. <laughs> I would love to get a boat and preach out of We don't got Mike Todd budget. But I would love to get in a boat and preach out of it with rain falling and stuff. You know what? That really don't impress me. What I like about Mike Todd is that he honors his wife. I was looking on social media this week and he was kissing his wife. I said, that's love. He was kissing her feet. That's extra love. 
That's why I like somebody said my God. That's why I like Mike Todd because he does ministry well, but he honors his wife. He I love seeing married couples like Aquila and Priscilla doing ministry together and making sure that the church is being served. Shout out to Ty. You know, one of the best parts about planting this church was planting it with Ty. I'm telling you, y'all, y'all, don't, y'all don't get to see the behind the scenes. I, I get to watch her balance out ministry and family life, and she's sexy when she does it. I'm just saying, she's in the room. I just, you know, she's sexy when she does ministry. Aquila and Priscilla. Listen, if, if, if Ty and I were mentioned in scripture, if we, if we were a part of the church at Rome, we were not, and we're not mentioned in scripture, but if we were a part of the church at Rome, I am for sure that her name would be mentioned before mine. The spiritual discipline, the, the, the love, the, the, the prayer, the care for the saints that y'all don't even see. Four times the wife is mentioned before the husband. She has more dominant giftings than her husband, and her husband's not jealous of it. Her husband supports it. Her husband pushes it. Her husband encourages it. He says, he says, baby, what you want? You want to pull a policy? You want to check them? Go ahead, check them, babe. Go ahead, do your thing. That, that's the type of marriage that they have. So, so far, we have Phoebe is mentioned. Running out of time here. We, we have Aquila and, and Prisca, or I should say Prisca. Some, some of your translations might say Priscilla. It's the same person. Priscilla or Prisca and Aquila is mentioned. There's another name mentioned in verse number 10 that I want you to pay attention to for a second. Look at the B part of verse number 10. It says, greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. That's a name right there. It almost felt like tongues when it came out. <laughs> See, we skip over names like this because, you know, we can't pronounce them. So, we, you know, we skip over. And by the way, if you can't pronounce something in Scripture, read it fast and with confidence and nobody will know. Just, just let it out. But, but Aristobulus is, let's just call him Aris because I just, there's too much. Aris, you, you may not know this, but he is the grandson of Herod the Great. Apparently, he lived as a Roman citizen, a private Roman citizen. But if you look at history, this is why it's good not to just skim your Bible, but actually look at the history of these names. If you look at the history of him, he's a political giant in Rome. He is a, his family is a big deal. They are the political elite. They, they are the senators and the, and the congressmen, the, those that have influence and access and power. And because of his connection or his relationship uh, to Herod the Great, the Bible tells me that he also developed a friendship with Emperor Claudius of Rome, the most powerful man in Rome this family had access to. The fact that he, he, he's not mentioned as actually being a believer, but greet those who belong to the family of him suggests that he probably died. And if he is dead, history shows me that his family would have become servants of Emperor Claudius. If they are, are servants, don't miss this, of Emperor Claudius, they now have access as believers to the most powerful man in the land. You can't tell me the gospel won't spread quicker if I got access to the most powerful man. And what, what, I, what I love about this, this family and, and them being so, uh, so, so astute in the culture and in Rome is it didn't matter how much clout they had. They realized they still needed Jesus. Let, let, me, let me try to help you out. It doesn't matter how successful you come, become. You still need Jesus. 
Doesn't matter how famous you get, you still need Jesus. Doesn't matter how much money you make, you still need Jesus. It doesn't matter the, inf- the circles and the influence that you roll in, you still need Jesus. This family knew that there was a void in their life. This family understood that there was something that was missing. This family understood that Jesus and Jesus alone brings the peace that surpasses all understanding. This family understood that Jesus filled the void in their life, not likes on Instagram and not, 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 not a boo loving and, and a man and, and a woman. No, what fulfilled them was Jesus. And it didn't matter how much of an influence they were in the culture. You need Jesus, not influence. Can you type that in the chat room for me? You need Jesus, not, let me say it this way, not just influence, because he can use your, you need Jesus, not just fame. You need Jesus, not just money. But if you have all of those things that don't have Jesus, you're missing something. This family is a political giant. It is also interesting to me that they do have this access to, to Emperor Claudius, when I tell you that if, 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 if I had access to the most powerful man in the land, you better be sure I'm sharing the gospel. You can't tell me they weren't sharing the gospel with everybody in the household because this is who they were. There, there's another name that is mentioned in verse 22. Y'all rocking with me? Yeah. I know we're doing a drive-by on these, on these names here, but I encourage you to read the rest of them. Read, read the rest of the chapter. There's also some final greetings of verse 17 to to, to the verse 20, read those, uh, verse 21, read those two on your time. But look at verse 22 real quick. This guy named Tertius, it says, I, Tertius, uh, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. I don't know if you're scratching your head, but when I first read through the book of Romans, I almost felt hoodwinked. I said, he, who wrote the letter? I said, what do you, what do you mean Tertius wrote the letter? Paul, I thought, you wrote the letter. I, I felt like they were Millie Vanilli and me. I'm like, why? I don't understand. I thought Paul wrote this letter. So what happened was Paul, yes, he did. He, Paul is the one that got the inspiration from the Holy Spirit, but it is Tertius that wrote down the words. It is almost as though Paul is like, look, you sat here for 16 chapters. They didn't have chapters, but stay with me. You sat here for 16 chapters. Go ahead and drop your name on in because they're going to be talking about you 2,000 years later. Go ahead. Tertius, put your, put your name. Tertius is a, he's a stenographer. He's the one that's hearing the words and he's right. He's Paul's secretary. But, but once again, Paul, don't miss this. Once again, Paul is pointing out someone else who served the church. And I think about how the letter of Rome came together. The Holy Spirit had to talk to Paul. Paul then had to, to, to give the words to Tertius. Tertius, after he finishes, gives the letter back to Paul. Paul then gives the letter to Phoebe. Phoebe then travels a dangerous journey from Corinth as a woman all the way to Rome, all in concert to serve the local body. Do you serve in that way? Do you give up your time in that way? I was scrolling through Instagram and one of my boys, Pastor Kenny, he, he's over in Harlem at the Gathering Church. Shout out to them. He, he, he said in a, in a message, and I, it struck me when he said it. He said, if everyone served like you, would the church be healthy? Wow. If everyone gave, if everyone gave the percentage that you give to God, to the local body, would the church be able to keep the lights on? Wow. Consider that. 
And I'm not necessarily talking, I don't want to beat nobody up. I'm not necessarily talking to the people in this room or the people on the other end of that camera. I get it. We in a pandemic. But if everybody served and gave and cared like you, what would the church look like? I tend to believe that, you know, most churches operate off of 30% of the body. 30% of the body doing all of the work. But when I read Romans, if you pick nothing else up from Romans chapter 16, name after name after name, here's what you need to pick up. That these were all servants. That, that the church at Rome was able to thrive. And I would argue that the church at Rome was a dope church. It wasn't like Corinth. Corinth was messy, but even though they were, they were messy, they were dope, but they were spiritually gifted. I get it. They spoke in tongues. He shot out. They did all of that, but they were messy. Church at Rome, you don't, hear, you don't hear any real mess at Rome, a little bit, but not like you saw in Corinth. And why? Because all of these laborers in the faith, partakers of sharing the gospel, all put their hand to the plow. Here's, here's here, the names we got so far. We got Phoebe. We got Prisca and Aquila. We got Aristobulus. We got uh, uh, Tertius. But there's one more name. Paul is like, I can't end the letter unless I give this name. There's one more name that Paul decides to give us as he's dropping all of these shout outs. Don't miss this name. It's in verse 25. Now unto him who was able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching, here it is, of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I can't mention him one time. I got to mention him again, verse 27, to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. If you don't hear another name today, the last name that's mentioned is the first name that should be mentioned in your life. The last name that mentioned should be central in your life. It is this name that gives us life. Every other name that he named was great servants, but none of them were salvific in life. But it is at the name of Jesus that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. It is at the name of Jesus that demons tremble. It is at the name of Jesus that healing begins to take place. It is at the name of Jesus that deliverance take place. And maybe you're sitting there going, I'm not really excited because I don't know who this Jesus is. And maybe that's you in this room and maybe you sing about him and maybe you've heard of him. And, and maybe that's you on the other, other end of this camera and maybe you know a little bit about him. But let me introduce you to Jesus. This is Jesus that's co-equal with God the Father. This is Jesus, the one that the Bible tells me in Isaiah, all the governments sit on his shoulders. That this is Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, the one that the Old Testament pointed us to. This is Jesus, the one that got on the scene in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and lived a perfect life. Lived a perfect life to the point where he went to the cross with perfection. This is Jesus that the rest of the New Testament is now pointing back to that thing that happened on the cross. This is Jesus that was born of a virgin. That this is Jesus that absorbed the very wrath of God and the debt that stood against you and I. This is Jesus, the one that we are waiting for. Come back, Lord Jesus. We are waiting for him to come and take us. I'm talking about Jesus. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you don't know who this Jesus is. Paul says, I refuse to end this letter. I mean, I give, I've given you doctrine. I've talked about predestination giving you a, a Christocentrism as it relates to the gospel. I've told you about your sin in Romans chapter 5. I've told you about your hypocrisy. 
I've listed out a bunch of sins in, in, in Romans uh, chapter 2. But I get to the end of this thing and I want you to know all of this is summed up in one person. And that is Jesus Christ. Do you know him today? And if you do know him, have you submitted your life fully to him? Is he that thing you do on Sunday? Or is he your all? Is he your everything? Do you make decisions that are surrounded around what you believe about Jesus? Sit on that for a second. Do you walk through life and say, what would Jesus want me to do with this? You look at your degree and see how Jesus can be known through your degree. I said this last week, but do you look at that promotion and say, Jesus, how can you be, help, help me to be salt and light in the workspace with that promotion? Is he your all? I love this book because one of the things about this book is this book has pointed me to Jesus, all 16 chapters. I know we're ending it today and it's bittersweet for me. You know, Augustine of Hippo, he's a North African theologian. He talks about the book that this, the, the, the value that this book has added to his life. Here, here's what he says. He says, no further would I read, nor did I need to. For instantly at the end of this book, talking about Romans, by a light, as it were, the uh, serenity infused into my heart, all the darkness of doubt vanished away. When he finished the book, he said, I know Jesus. All the darkness vanishes away. That's what Jesus can bring to you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Sometimes we rush this moment. Worship team, y'all come on up. Sometimes we rush this moment. And we, we don't give it its due. It's due time. But there is somebody you've been rocking for a few weeks now. Maybe you've been rocking for a year. And maybe you were with us when we started the book of Romans. But you don't know Jesus. I used to be naive. I used to, I used to think everybody in the room knew him. I used to think that people knew Jesus just because they showed up to church. I used to think that people knew Jesus just because they served. I used to think that people knew Jesus just because they professed that they knew him. But does your life match up? Father, I pray for everybody that's in this room. I pray for everybody that's on the other end of this camera. I know, God, I know virtual church ain't the same. I get it. Some of us are just laying around and trying to get into worship and we're trying to get into the faith and we're trying to have community and it's difficult. You know, even as we're reading through these names, it's like a reminder that we're disconnected. We're scattered. But one of the things I love about your people is we don't need to be in the same place in order to get access to you. You've removed the the glitter and the in the in the in the glam that's on a Sunday service. And you helped us to realize we don't need to be motivationally pumped up by the worship team in the building. We can sit in our bed and have access to the throne of God. And we get there through Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray, pray that you would save hearts today. 
that you would ransom people's lives today. I pray for marriages, oh God. As we read about Prisca and Aquila, I, I pray for marriages like this that will be exemplified, not for negativity. Father, I'll be honest, I'm grieved over those who social media, social media represent the church. Oftentimes, it's not a good representation. We need more Aquilas and Priscillas. We need more Phoebes that are serious about their faith and serious about the church and serious about the work of God and serious about their own walk. And they know how to secure the bag because she's a financial contributor to many. Wow. Father, I pray, oh God, that you would give us hearts like the men and women that were named today. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Amen.